Good morning, Hillcrest. How are you? I am so excited to get to be with you this morning. Those are bright. Um, so excited to be here. I always get nostalgic over and around Christmas, and this Sunday in particular, hi Catherine, nice to see you, is that we have, we have all the kids joining us for this service in, uh, from the elementary. So kids, I just want to say a huge welcome to you, and I get super nostalgic because one thing I love, oh, yeah, give them a round of applause. I love seeing our church body together. Hillcrest does such a great job of blending the generations. Um, My wife attends um, Mom's Time Out. Unfortunately, her and the kids aren't here today because they're sick, uh, which is too bad. But uh, she helps out with Mom's Time Out. And my favorite thing to do is we have a staff meeting uh, during that time. But I always like to... There's usually a break around 11 o'clock where we switch things up, and I always make a point of sneaking out and going and spying on where the kids are dropped off because there's all um, our older people, our adults, looking after our little kids. And my son, he's two years old, and Maya's usually in there. She's five. I just love watching the interactions, and this church does such a great job. So thank you. People who help out at Mom's Time Out and look after our kids, way to go. Way to go. So with that, kids, I'm going to try and speak a little bit to you guys as much as I'm speaking to the adults this morning. Um, And so I'm going to get you to help me with a few things. The very first thing you can do is anytime I bring up a scripture on the screen, we're going to read it together. But the theme of this morning is peace. So every time peace shows up there and we're about to read it, can I get the kids and the students to all say peace out loud? And adults, you're welcome to join in. It's one of the things I love about kids here. So kids, can we try? Let's on three, let's say peace. One, two, three. Oh, there's a few of you out there. That is awesome. That is awesome. And uh, I have a couple of illustrations that have to do with the boxes that are down in front that I'll get you to help me with, but I'll give some instruction uh, as we get there. Um, and those of you that see me walk up, I mean, nothing will hold your attention like a torch on the stage. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. If I, I'm, I do well with our time, we will get there. We will get there. Um, We're in our Advent series. This is our last uh, Sunday. Um, Of course, we're talking about peace this morning. We have already talked about how God with us, who is Jesus, how he brings into our lives uh, hope. You'll remember that message on hope where I kicked off about a story, uh, walking in the freezing cold, but seeing that yard light that brought hope to my heart, that there was someone there to kind of help me out. And so we have hope in this season. Pastor Steve got up and he shared about on the theme of love, and he did such a great job of communicating the reality of God's heart for us in ensuring that we experience his love, that it's not something that we just talk about and give lip service to, but it's something we actually sense in our hearts and our minds. And he did such a great job on that. Last week we had uh, Doug Sigelko up and he preached on joy and how joy as a, a, a verb is this notion of rejoicing and how we're called to give thanks and praise our God and experience the joy that he has in our hearts. And of course, this morning, we're going to turn our attention to this notion of peace. There are four things I'd like to point out about peace this morning, and so we'll march our way through those. The absolute uh, very first one um, is that Jesus brings peace with God. Very first one. So it should pop up there. I've got some kind of visuals here to kind of help guide us through. 
Romans 5.1 says very clearly, and I'll get it in my Bible here. Romans 5.1 says very clearly, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have... Nice, you're a little slow. We'll get there, though. You'll have more opportunity. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's pretty clear that we're not naturally at peace with God. Uh, Tammy did such a good job of sharing, and one of the things she communicated was the reality of that. There's a lot of dark stuff out there. We live in a dark world. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of struggles. And, and uh, as Christians, we're not immune to realizing those things. We're not naturally at peace with, with God. It is a dark world out there. And the Bible makes it clear, as does this verse in Romans, is that there's only one way to be at peace with God. Only one way, and that is through Jesus and through having faith in him that we are brought back into a perfect relationship with God and we can experience peace with God. This peace candle um, that I've yet to light here, but this peace candle, this is the most important thing about this candle is what it represents, is that Jesus came to ensure that all of us, young, old, have an opportunity at right relationship and peace with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's um, a story that sort of fits, um, that can be found in uh, the Christmas narrative that, that I'd like to look at. So one story for each point. And so with our first one here, uh, I'd like us to look at, in the Bible at a story found in Luke uh, chapter 1 and verses 26. And this is about that lady, that girl, what was her name? Um, her husband was Joseph. She was going to be the mother Mary, thank you very much. We're going to look to a story about Mary here um, in Luke 1. Let me find it here. I'm having troubles here. Oh, I don't even have it up on the board. I I just kind of talked through it. Here we go. So do you remember that that when that angel first came to Mary, right? She was betrothed uh, to Joseph. Uh, They were going to get married. It was an exciting time. And then this angel shows up. And this angel says to Mary, he says to her, he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And if you remember the Christmas story, Mary gets a little bit confused at this. She's a little uneasy at this angel saying that she has favor with God. But the angel continues and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Have you ever wondered how is it that Mary had favor with God? She was a young girl, Jewish girl. How is it that she had favor with God? Well, I think the way that she had favor with God is the same way that you and I find favor with God. It's through our faith and belief in him, in who he is. And I think I can say that confidently that that's how Mary had favor with God because of the way that she responds to God's request. Do you remember what the request was? It was about having a baby. But here's the funny thing. It was about having a baby with no other, not being married and no other, nobody else. Just Mary was going to get pregnant by a miracle. That would be really a hard thing to try and sell, I think. Right? To convince people of that, that this is God's doing. And yet, Mary in that instance believed who God was. She'd probably grown up hearing the stories and feeling um, how the Israelites did this longing for a Messiah. And so when God says, he's coming, and he's coming in your womb, 
Mary gives a wholehearted yes. Unquestionably says, Lord, do with me as you will. I'm your servant. Her faith in God, through her faith in God, she found favor with God. It's the first and most important thing that our Advent candle teaches us this morning is that through Jesus, we can have peace with God and find favor with God. It wasn't just any baby. It was the Messiah. It was Jesus. And she could trust God. The second one, point two, we have uh, Jesus brings peace with self. Jesus brings peace with self. Sin not only separates us from a loving God, but it also creates a divide within ourselves. We are not at peace even in our own skin. I can usually really relate with this around the Christmas season. You know, the anxiety, the stress of, of getting the house in order, of getting the right gift for your significant other, and yada, yada, yada. Spending time with in-laws, you know, we have a great deal of, of anxiety. But there's other things too. There's trials, there's situations that we're facing, maybe at work or in other relationships, that cause a, a sense of not being at peace within our own, our own skin. Things like anxiety, fear, worry, regret, stress, turmoil are all familiar to us as human beings. We desperately need inner peace. And Jesus came to bring us that. Personal peace within ourselves. Again, the Christmas narratives have something to offer. This and, and this one is a little bit of a stretch. It comes to us um, after um, Jesus is born. And there's a story where uh, Mary and Joseph, he's born, he's been named. But uh, in the law, there was this notion that for the firstborn male of every family, if the first kid that you have was a male, you would take him to the temple, and there would be certain kind of sacrifices that you would offer as thanks and consecrating this kid uh, to the Lord. And so Mary and Joseph were doing that. But our character's not with them. Our character's with this guy named Simeon. Now, Simeon had been waiting and praying in the temple, and God had told him that he would not die before he sees the Messiah. Now, this is kind of a crazy notion because the Israelites have been waiting for a Messiah for a long time. Hundreds, thousands of years waiting for the promise that God would send a Messiah. And Simeon hears that he's going to see the Messiah with his own eyes. And now the Bible doesn't actually tell us, but tradition sort of has this notion that he was an old guy. That he was really old, probably hunched over and like, you know, one of those really religiously devout men. And he, by the Spirit, is led to the temple on the exact day that Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus into the temple. And I want to pick this up in uh, Luke 2, 28 to 32. Or, yeah, 28 to 32. And here's the words of what Simeon says. Now, I don't think that this would totally fly today because um, Simeon sees the boy and he goes over and he grabs the son. He grabs Jesus. He holds him up. And this is what he says. 
Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in Nice. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. Now, Interestingly enough, he says these things, and Mary and Joseph marvel at the things that are said to him. They just kind of go along with it, and they're like, wow, like, neat, like, because they know who this baby is. But I try to think of that happening today, you know, wandering through Mooshjaw's Mall and just grabbing some young child out of a mother's arms and speaking truth and blessings over it. Something tells me they would do a lot less than marvel, right? They, would, they probably wouldn't appreciate that too much. But that's what Simeon does. And do you notice that as he touches Jesus and he holds him up, that his words are, God, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. And that word dismiss, the the word that's kind of used is this notion of sort of depart. So it's sort of like he's saying, you can... Your servant can now depart in peace. And the notion of that is, is, is not, like, not like dismiss kind of says like, you know, okay, you're done. You're good. But it wasn't like that. It was this notion of that I've, I've, I'm ready to be released into accomplishing what I've been designed to do. The notion of it is this idea of depart, like a ship that is um, in at the harbor and it's anchored or it's tied into the dock and it's just sitting there. Waiting. Now, ships, I mean, it's good when they come into dock. They're good for loading and stuff. But a ship really wasn't made to spend its whole life next to the dock, was it? No, of course not, right? They're meant to sail. And so Simeon's language conveys this notion of the boat being unhooked, untethered, and released to go and do what it was meant to do. And Simeon, and in touching Jesus, says that I can now be dismissed in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. The salvation of God. Isn't, I find that so interesting because I realize that there was so much more to Jesus than just his birth, right? That's one of the things we've been talking about during this Advent season uh, and series is that it's all about the cross. It's all about what Jesus had come to do. To save humanity. And yet Simeon is able to say, in just beholding Jesus, to say, I can go in peace now because I've seen God's salvation. Where is the place inside you that needs to experience peace? The same is true for us. That as we look to Jesus, no matter what kind of storm, no matter what kind of chaos is raging inside, that when we look to Jesus, he offers us peace. Jesus brings us peace. He is God with us. You know, you don't need to have it all together. You don't don't need to know how it's all going to work out. You don't need to have the ducks in a row or a plan laid out. Simeon didn't understand all the things about the cross. He didn't understand, and Jesus hadn't had an opportunity to teach anything. He was just a little baby. And yet he received Jesus, and he received peace. And it's the same for us. That we don't have to have it all together or understand it all. We just need to look to Jesus, and he promises us peace. 
There's a, a saying that I've heard quite a while ago, and it's, it's really appropriate here, and there's kind of two steps to it. Um, if you can bring it up, Harry. It's this first one, this idea of no Jesus, no peace, right? And this conveys the idea that if you haven't got Jesus, then you haven't got peace. But then there's also the other end of it is equally true. If you know Jesus, then you know peace. That in being in relationship with him, the prince of peace, we can know peace in our own lives. There's another verse here that I'll show up from Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and this is what it reads. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace, nice, of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the kind of peace Jesus is inviting us to. Now, if you bring up the next slide here, Harry. So, these two points, peace with God and peace with self. I love these things. These are essential. And if you get a sense, they're sort of in, a, they're in alignment, right? Because they're very personal notions, right? That our peace with God is something that is done in our heart, as well as, obviously, peace in our hearts is kind of something between us and God. And... There's a shift that happens for these next two that I think there's an illustration that's going to help us out. So, um, you guys watch Christmas movies in and around the holidays? Yeah? Oh, that was... That's not going to work. I did turn it off. It's not shutting off. I'm just kidding. Don't worry. Kids, do not try this at home. I honestly let this in like three times before. What? This is hilarious. This is crazy. Oh. Thank you. You know, they tell us if you're going to do anything on stage, make sure you rehearse it a number of times to make sure it's going to work. And I honestly did. Anyways, so here's, here's an illustration. I think it's going to help us thinking through the next two. Now, Kids, don't try this at home. Please don't do this at home, okay? I'm an unqualified, irresponsible adult. So don't try this at home, okay? So we have fire. And I have um, a butter knife. And it, coincidentally, it worked out really great that Jenna ended up not being here. Because she probably wouldn't like me doing this to our kitchen knives. But she did tell me she was going to listen to the podcast. So, Jenna, don't worry. I got the knife from the kitchen here at church. <laughs> so here we have flame. And I put uh, steel or stainless steel into the flame here. And what do you think is going to happen, kids? 
if we had enough time, it would melt. But at first, it's just going to get really hot, right? And it's going to get warm, right? Why is it going to get hot? Because the fire's hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's going to happen? Oh, you can actually see it happening right now. What's happening now? It's turning red. So just like putting this steel into the fire, it begins to take on the properties of the fire, right? First, it takes on its warmth, and I can already start to feel it in my fingers, okay? Uh, second, it begins, I'm going I'm to go a little bit longer here. Second, it begins to take on the light of the fire, doesn't it? And if we had enough time and, and, a, and a hot enough fire, we could leave this in so long that it would actually look like the iron or the metal would become like it is fire itself. Now, when I take it away, what happens? You can still kind of see the glow. Could you guys see the glow for a little while? So even when you take the knife out of the flame, it still retains some of its properties. Now, if I touch that, that would be, that would be burning hot, right? But it's no longer, it no longer could be a good source of light because it's, it's kind of lost it, right? And so you could return it back to the heat. And within a little bit of time, heating both sides here, you can get this thing glowing cherry red. I was deeply inspired to do this illustration after watching Home Alone last night. And was like, am I going to have a butter knife burn on my arm to like, anyways, like that. Right? There you go. Does anybody think it's gross if I drink that water afterwards? Because my mouth is already super dry. Peace with God, peace with self, but all of a sudden now, our next two take a little bit of a turn. It's no longer just between us and God, but others get involved. And this brings us to point number three, is that Jesus came to bring us peace with other people. This we see demonstrated in another Christmas story, and I love this one. I don't know how many times I've read the Christmas story, but I didn't actually see it this way before, so I'm super excited to share this with you. So in Matthew uh, 1, whoop, pardon me. In Matthew 1, we're looking at 19 and 20. And so this is, a, this is Joseph is our character in this one. And here we go. Um, 18 picks it up. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, which means get rid of her, no longer be married to her, be separate. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. And so in Joseph, we sort of see this reconciling and being at peace. 
I don't know if there could be a more hurtful or disturbing experience than finding out that my loved one, my betrothed, was having a baby that wasn't mine. It would be awkward. I would be furious. And Joseph finds himself in that position. And, and I think, I'm sure Mary must have done her best to explain to him the reality of what had went on, an angelic visitation, but maybe there was just something in Joseph's heart that doubted it. And so he was going to divorce her quietly. But then an angel shows up and confirms it and says, Joseph, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of what people are saying. You don't have to be afraid of this because this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, Joseph had a choice to make. He could either choose to receive the truth and walk in obedience and take Mary to be his wife, excited about the things that God was doing, or he could nurse the hurt of what other people might say or the opinions or how this is going to turn out and do what he had intended to do. Now, we know from the end of the story that Joseph did the right thing. That of course he took Mary to be his wife and he raised Jesus as though he was his own son and he loved him. And I never caught this before, but if that baby had been any other child that Mary was carrying, any other child, they probably would have been divorced. Joseph would have separated. Oh, Duncan, thank you so much. You're a gentleman. But that baby wasn't any other child. He was the Messiah. And so before Jesus even took a step on this earth, before he was even born, he was already bringing two people together because of who he was. Do you see that? Any other baby, Joseph would have walked. But it wasn't. It was Jesus. And so there was able to be peace and reconciliation in what would be a very difficult situation. The thing that was originally going to break their relationship apart brought them together because this baby was God's gift from heaven, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's just like in the nature of Jesus. I don't have time to go into it this morning, but do you remember what Jesus did after he uh, resurrected from the grave and uh, released his people and the, and the Holy Spirit came down? Is that all of a sudden there was, a, there was the distinct dividing line between the Israelite people, the chosen people of God, and the Gentiles, who was everybody else? Jesus broke the separating wall so that they all on equal terms had access to God the Father, reconciling those two groups of people. And we see that here, Jesus' handiwork before he's even born, reconciling Mary and Joseph. Lastly here, we have uh, Jesus brings us peace with God. Jesus brings peace with ourselves Jesus brings peace with others. And lastly, um, Jesus brings peace here on earth. With all this talk about peace and what we're discovering about peace, it becomes clear that there's something more going on here with peace 
than simply your typical absence of war. Would you agree? So we're going to turn to a quick video here. It's only a couple minutes long that unpacks sort of this biblical notion of peace just before we move on any further. So Harry, if you can, roll that video. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, My peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. I forgot, uh, forgot to light our peace candle with my torch situation. Did you, did you catch the line? 
out of there? My favorite line out of that video is that Jesus' followers are meant to create peace wherever they go. Jesus brings, is bringing, and has brought peace to this earth. There's one final Christmas narrative that I want to look at that depicts this. It involves uh, the shepherds on the night that Jesus is born. They're out in the fields looking after their sheep, and an angel shows up and tells them what's going on, that the Savior of the world's being born in Bethlehem, and that they shouldn't miss it. They should go and check it out. And when that angel is done, all of a sudden, um, and this is in Luke 2, 13 and 14, all of a sudden then there's uh, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth... Nice. You guys are getting sleepy. To those on whom God's favor rests. Later on in verse 20, it makes this comment that the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they have heard and seen, which are just as they had been told. And God wants us to be a part of it. God wants us to be a part of the peace that he is bringing. It begs the question of how is it that God accomplishes all of this? In all four of these things, how is it that God accomplishes actually bringing peace to us? Well, it's all done through one thing, and I'll get you to go to the next slide, Harry. It's through the cross of Christ. And I love how this simple symbol has that upright a horizontal line, I think that speaks of our relationship with God. It's a very personal and intimate thing that's between us and God. But then there's also the outstretched arms of the cross, which deal with everything else. It deals with the way that we uh, treat people. And it, treats, it deals with the way that we interact with the world in which God has placed us. And it's through the cross. It's the most amazing thing about uh, Advent is that it's leading towards something. It's leading us towards something. The lighting of the center candle, which is the Christ candle, which gets lit on, uh, on Christmas Eve, where we celebrate the coming of our Lord to this earth. But it, it's not just important that he was born. It's what he stood for. It's what he was going to do through the cross. As a bit of an uh, act here, as a last sort of, I've got two more illustrations here before we close. I'm going to get our kids, um, we talked about in that video about building a wall. And I was wondering, kids, I have some boxes up front here. And any of you that are able to hold a box and navigate steps, do you want to grab a box and do you want to help me build a wall? That God wants us to be a part of it. These are like gifts. Come on up, grab a box. You're going to reveal my next illustration, so don't take anything. But grab a box, come on up stage. And I've got a green line here. I want you to just set it down on a green line and we're going to build this wall together, okay? As a symbol of this is what God wants us to be a part of. He wants us to build his kingdom of peace together. Oh, you guys are rocking it. Yeah, stack them down wherever they'll fit. Sneak them in there. You guys are doing a great job. Good work. Well, they're coming out of everywhere. This is perfect. You guys are doing awesome. Yeah, Catherine, good to see you. Once you've put a box down, just carefully navigate your way down the steps. This is gorgeous. 
This is awesome. Here we go. Oh, this one's not on the green line. Let's get it up. How's our wall coming? Oh, we got some more boxes. Here we go. Looking great. Hi, Catherine. Hey, Royce. Good to see you. Yeah, last one. Awesome. What do you guys think? Give them a round of applause. This is an awesome. You see, sometimes, sometimes we get tricked into thinking that God is only interested in bringing peace to us. That it's all just for us. But that isn't what Christ did. Have you, have you ever noticed that like Jesus didn't need to come to the earth? God didn't need to create us in the first place. He was totally happy and content and excited and joyful in and of who he was. He didn't need us. He wasn't obligated to create or to save. And yet, our lives, this world is a living testimony of the heart of God. That even though he didn't need to, he chose us. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world, he chose to do what he was going to do through Jesus. It was always his plan. And so there's this element where we experience an amazing peace and love and joy, but it's not meant just for us. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared. And that when we love other people, when we uh, bring joy into a situation, when we spend time with God and we get so heated up that we begin to take on his characteristics... You know what? We don't ever leave the fire. God lives and dwells inside each and every one of us. That's his favorite resting place, is in the heart of people. And so we carry him around with us everywhere we go. That's how we're able to be advocates of building his kingdom. His kingdom of peace. His kingdom of joy. His kingdom of love. His kingdom filled with hope. Now, Our last illustration here. Can I get four kids to come up? Here's one. <gasps> Whoops. Careful. <laughs> okay, here we go. We got a couple more over here. Okay, just hold on, kids. Okay, I'll give that to you, Truett. Here, how about I give you, I got a nice light basket here for you. How about that? There you go. Can you handle that? Here. There we go. Okay, you go. Okay, here's what I want you kids to do. I want you guys to go through and make sure that every kid in this place gets an orange, okay? And when you run out of that, when you run out of kids to give oranges to, I want you can start working on the adults, okay? But make sure every kid gets an orange, okay? And as you guys are doing that, I'm just going to close off with this last illustration, okay? Cammy, can you walk down this aisle and give, make sure all the kids get, a, get an orange? So it was a number of years ago. I tried to figure out if it was how long ago it was with Jenna, and neither of us could really remember, but um, I was living in Calgary, and I was coming home from the holidays, for the holidays, uh, with Jenna. And if I'm honest, even though I, I grew up in a great home with amazing parents, there's just something about the holidays when you get us all together, that there's always a lot of tension. And on this particular Sunday, or, or sorry, on this particular um, Christmas thing, I felt like God working on my heart saying, Chris, you're kind of too hard on your mom. 
you and mom, you and your mom tend to tend to have disagreements and bicker, and you don't really treat her with a whole lot of respect that she deserves. And I remember traveling home, and I remember just knowing kind of how my tendencies are when I get back on the farm and we get busy doing stuff, that there's this ten- sense of being kind of short with my mom. And God said, I want that to be different this year. And so I, I tried to work on it. I tried to actually be gracious and help with dishes and spend time with my mom having conversations. I wouldn't say I, I, wouldn't say I rocked it perfectly by no means. But I made an extra effort. And what God had shared with me is that he said, I want your life to be like a Christmas orange. And I went, a Christmas orange? And he said, a Christmas orange. He said, the fruit that I produce in your life is not just meant for you to enjoy. It's actually meant for others. I said, ah. And I realized that where I've been experiencing the grace and the joy and the hope of God, and yet I've kind of been hoarding it, that I'd be reluctant to kind of share that with anybody else. And God said, that's not why I cause you to be fruit-bearing. I'm going to just invite the worship team to come on up. And we're going to have an opportunity just to respond this morning uh, with whatever song that they have planned. And I want you to be thinking this morning and hearing kind of two challenges. That first, if you are here and you don't have peace with God or peace in yourself, God wants to address that this morning. When you call out to him as king and savior and God, he forgives you. He wipes the slate clean. And you can experience peace. And so if that's you this morning, after the song is done, I'm going to remain up at the front here and there's going to be other people here who are willing to pray for whoever wants to come when our service is dismissed. We love, love praying for you. Secondly, If you're here today and you know who God is, you call him Father, and you know the good gifts, the gifts of love, joy, peace, and hope that he brings into your life, can I challenge you this Christmas to make your life like a Christmas orange? But not one that you enjoy, one that you willingly share with the others in your life. And it's not going to be easy, and it's not always going to be comfortable, But it's in this way, you guys, that we participate in God's kingdom coming here on earth. Would you stand? And I'll pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are, that the Bible says you are the prince of peace. And I thank you for all the ways that you come into our lives and you bring peace with God, peace in our hearts. You give us peace with other people and that you're reconciling this whole world to yourself. Help us to be instruments of your love and of your grace and of your glory and of your peace this season. Would you go with us? Would you fill our hearts, Lord, that we would be red hot from the love that you've poured into our lives? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.